Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. God, we thank you for this. This, this I, I just thank you for these men and women journeying, uh, journeying alongside of me tonight, Lord, as we go through this book of the Bible. It is such a pleasure, Lord, to be able to uh, find community, even over a Zoom, and and talk about silly things like coffee and tea and donuts and bagels and, and find laughter and find smiles. And, and God, we see that community in our chapter tonight where uh, this, this church community has to stand for something and has to hold together for something and with something. And Lord, we just, we just see that. And we, I pray that we're going to be encouraged tonight, that tonight will be just a good opportunity for us to be encouraged by your word and also just to be challenged and to, to get refreshed on just who you are, Lord, and what you're about and what's important to you. And we just, we thank you for this text that we have tonight. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are in Hebrews chapter three. And uh, our first section tonight is the first six verses, Jesus, Moses, and us. So right away, forget about us for one second, Jesus and Moses. If you were going to find one guy in the Old Testament, if you were going to take the entire Old Testament and say one guy represents the Old Testament, you would be hard pressed to beat Moses. You could argue Abraham. You could argue, you could argue one of the later prophets maybe, but Moses really sets the table. And nobody was ever like Moses in the Old Testament. I mean, he is it. And so for Jesus to be in the conversation with Moses, you got to imagine that these Hebrew Christians that the book of Hebrews is written to, you got to imagine them constantly facing the yabuts in their life. Yeah, but he's not Moshe. He's not Moses. Yeah, but he's not that one. And when, when, when did that ever happen? And when did he lead people out of Egypt? Or when did ever these things happen? And so the Moses, so the author of Hebrews has to deal with Moses. This has to come up because you can't just sit there and say, yeah, Jesus is greater than the prophets. And Jesus is superior to all the angels. Everyone's going to be like, okay, 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 fine, 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 fine. But Moses, is he actually better than Moses? Or is he like Maybe like a modern kind of post, a modern postmodern, a, a recent postmodern might say that you've got like the Moses and you've got the Jesus and later on you've got a Muhammad and they're all kind of saying the similar things, kind of finishing each other's arguments kind of thing. Um, so how does Jesus interact with Moses? We, yeah, Mick texted in, Moses is the man. Welcome to our co-teacher Mick. Mick is our running commentary and uh, very honored to be able to journey alongside Mick as well. And he says, talk about the sacred est of cows. Yes, Jesus, Moses, and us, three, one to six. We start with just the first part of verse one. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Just a word about us. We're holy. What does that mean? I've got my mom in this class tonight. I think of my mom's china that she has, she busts out at Thanksgiving time. I'm terrified of that China. I, 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 I'm terrified I'm gonna break something and she got it from her grandma's. I'm terrified of this China. This China is, is set apart. It is special, it is unique. 
and I'm terrified of this China. I, I, this is the one, one of the few times I'm not wanting to volunteer to wash the dishes or anything like that. No, I want nothing to do with that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock something. I'm going to, no way. And that's like, that's for mom and any other brave woman who wants to wash it. You go for it. I'm not going to, no way. That's holy. Set apart, sacred, like special. That's us. We are set apart. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Randy and Daniel, I'm so glad to have you in this class tonight. Um, I just wanted to you know, share that we, we lost someone. We lost someone very special to us in this class, in our church. And you know, we're so sorry that, that, uh, that, that, that Rachel, Randy, your wife, and Daniel, your mom, was just taken from us tragically this past week. And she has, she got to go to heaven. She is in heaven right now. And our hearts break as a church and as a class, and it's just, it's it's sad. But it, we 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 don't we we don't grieve without hope. We have hope, and the perspective of that is in verse one here. We share in a heavenly calling. So therefore, fix our eyes on Jesus. Where is Jesus in heaven? So we're fixing our eyes on Him. So no matter what we're going through, with how many rest of our days that we have. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, we're going to get that again later on in the book of Hebrews. In fact, that chapter in Hebrews is famous for fixing your eyes upon Jesus. But we get into Hebrews 3 right away. Fix your eyes, your thoughts, your inside on Jesus. Mick texts it in. Oh, excuse me, Daniel takes it in. Moses and the other leaders pointed to Jesus. Amen. Mick, God has predestined us and set us apart. Both Israel and the church have been chosen by God. Amen. Daniel, thank you, Daniel. The church needed to hold them together, and we need to hold together now. Amen. Our calling is heavenward. If you're living for this earth, you're misguided. If you're living for the here and now, if you're living for the things you're going to get one day, if you're living for the temporal, you're ignoring the eternal. Earth is our home for now, but it is not where our citizenship is. Our, we have a heavenly calling. We can't ignore that. And when we lose a loved one, especially a loved one in Christ, we're reminded of that. Every single day we see that empty chair. Our calling is heavenly. We can never forget that. Ever, ever, ever. Yes, Mick texts it in. From Ecclesiastes, God has set eternity in our hearts. Mm. Mm -mm. That's a word about us. What about a word about Jesus? The second part of verse 1 and in the first part of verse 2. So fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Jesus, an apostle? What? Who are the apostles? You know, it's like, uh, you know, the song, uh, there were 12 disciples. Jesus called to help him, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James's brother, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Thaddeus, Judas, and Bartholomew. He has called us too. I chose a bad key for that. It was really low. But those were the apostles. Are you kidding me? Jesus is an apostle? Yes. Because what's apostle mean? Apostolos means sent one. This verse talks about it. 
whom he acknowledges our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Apostles are sent or appointed. Who was he sent by? God the Father. He was faithful to God the Father. Oh, wow. Now, already we're getting a, a shot here. Oh, this is maybe he's different than Moses, just, just a bit. He's our apostle and high priest. I want you to think of the road sign that has a downward arrow and an upward arrow. An apostle is a sent one from God. It's kind of like the role of the prophet. A prophet is the mouthpiece of God. But the priest, the high priest, is our representative back to God. And you see, Jesus did both. He was sent from God, the Father, and he represented us before God the Father. A downward arrow and an upward arrow. We acknowledge him not only as our apostle, but our high priest. And he was faithful. So that's a word about Jesus. What about a word about Moses? He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. See, here's the reason why I take the Old Testament and I boil it down to Moses. Because you could argue that apostle high priest thing, that works for Moses too. Now, before you push back and go, no, wait a minute. It was Moses' brother Aaron that was the priest. Yeah, but Moses played a priestly role all the time. He represented, it's like he interceded for the people. They were going to die and be blotted out of God's book. God's going to say, let's just start over. And Moses is like, hold on. Blot me out of the book, not your people. Yeah, as, as high priest and apostle, Mick texted, unlike any, any and all of the intermediate, intermediaries in the Bible, Jesus is the ultimate intermediary. Yes, but before Jesus, the best intermediary, you could argue Abraham was a good one as well. He, they're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but, but Moses, Moses was the one who interceded for his people, literally in front of Pharaoh and then spiritually in front of God. Even though he would not serve as the high priest. His brother Aaron did. Moses had that apostle role, that prophet role, also a high priest role as he intercedes. A word about Moses here. Just as Moses was faithful in God's house, he continues. This is in, um, oh, we can't, we're not continuing on this one. Just as Moses was faithful in God's house. Yes, Moses was faithful. So at this point, the author of Hebrews is saying, you know how great Moses is? Jesus is just as great. Right now, as the argument plays out, Moses was amazing. Moses was unique. He was special. He was holy. Jesus is in that conversation. And the, 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 uh, the nominees for best picture are, there's four nominees. Okay, right now we've got two, and Jesus and Moses are right there. Right now they're equal nominees. But the author continues. Number four, we have a word about us, a word about Jesus, a word about Moses. Now Jesus greater than Moses. See, if the author of Hebrews stopped right there, then Jesus is equal to Moses. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. So now us and our Jewish friends can just have a nice conversation together and maybe have some bagels and locks or something. We can just kind of just talk. And hey, you know what? You've got, you've got, your, you've got, your, um, you've got your sent one from God who led your people out of bondage into a promised land. And we have our sent one from God who led us out of the bondage of our sin and into our heavenly promised land. See, we can play with that analogy and that metaphor and it works just fine. Also a great way to minister to a, a Jewish individual. You can, you can take that line right there. And our Joshua, as it were, our Yeshua. And um, 
but Jesus is greater than Moses. Before I get there, Daniel texts in, Moses reminded God of who he was in order to spare the Israelites on numerous occasions. Amen. Similarly, Jesus took our place upon the cross so that we would all be spared. Amen. 3 to 6a. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of everything. Moses, and here's really the crux of it right here. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Which, by the way, we're, we're not taking anything out of Moses' basket, as it were. You know, his basket is full. His basket is glorious. We're not taking anything away from Moses. Right there, that puts Moses in rarefied territory right there. Moses is the man, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. Moses at his absolute peak is but a servant. Jesus is not a servant. He's the son. I remember a story when I was in the, when I was in seminary, it was a youth ministry class and a person and then the class there was, uh, was, I, I, this is the North, North, North suburbs of Chicago. So maybe they had a, 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 they had a church, they were doing youth ministry work in like in Skokie or something, a very Jewish territory suburb. And he, he recalls having a, a young Jewish girl come to his youth group that night and they were talking about Jesus, and Jesus claimed, I and the Father are one. And talking about being the Son of God. And, I, and, and, and the room got really quiet, he said, because all the, people, all the Christians in the room were just going, yeah, 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 yeah. But the little Jewish girl, she got really quiet. This story makes me choke up. Because she understood that right away. And as the story unfolds, she says, I get that. I get what Jesus just said. She says, I have older brothers. When dad passes on, my oldest brother becomes dead. At some point, dad and the oldest brother are the same guy. She got that analogy instantly from a Jewish mind. I wish I could say she gave her, you know, she professed faith or something. I forget how the story ended. I, I just was shocked hearing that. I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. That's what Jesus was saying there. A oneness with God. That only the eldest son, as it were, from a Jewish mind could have. Moses is the greatest of all servants. But he ain't the son. And Jesus is now in a separate category than Moses. Moses can't ever touch Jesus, ever. On the Mount of Transfiguration of the Gospels, Jesus wasn't giving glory to Moses. Moses was giving glory to Jesus. When Moses finally gets to go to the Promised Land, he shows up later on on that Mount of Transfiguration, but he's there giving glory to Jesus, to Elijah. Yeah, 
another word about us. Um, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and, our, and the hope in which we glory. Holding firm, hold on tightly. What do we hold on tightly to? You know, our brothers, Randy and Daniel, are holding on to whatever they can right now because, because Rachel has gone to heaven. What are they we holding on to when, when we live our life and we lose a loved one? When we're stuck here, we're going, what, what's going on, God? What are you possibly doing here? Well, this verse tells us, we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence. We're holding on to our confidence. What do we have confidence in? We have confidence in God. That he who began that good work will be faithful to complete it. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us. All these great promises of God, we have confidence in him. He has been faithful in our past. He is faithful in our present. We believe and trust he will be faithful in our future. Our salvation has a past element and that we have been saved. We has a present element that we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It has a future element that we are looking forward to the final salvation of our souls, fully and finally. We hold firmly to confidence and to that hope, that living hope, as Peter would, what would say, living hope, not a dying hope, not a hope that you put on the counter and has a shelf life kind of hope, not a you take it out of the fridge and you smell it, is it still good kind of hope, well, maybe let's make a sandwich out of it or something. No, no, no. This is a living hope, a never ends kind of hope. And that hope can helps us to continue when times are really rough. We're really sad. I remember being on a, a roller coaster. Now, a guy my size and roller coasters, we're not best friends, you see. And I it was remember it was one of those roller coasters that I could ride. The ones that have like the shoulder strappy kind of things that go down, they're, they're not my friends because I'm kind of built like a capital letter P. You know, if I sit down, it's like, okay, there's a lot to go over there. So, all right. So those are my, the ones that, that usually are my friends are the ones that had the lap bar. That chick, 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 chick. Well, the problem was on this particular roller coaster, it was just old enough. Just let Aaron in here. It was just old enough. And I was just large enough that it never got that final click. And so it wasn't like I was sitting there with somebody and, you know, they were much bigger than me. So I'm kind of, you know, no, I was there by myself, but I was just trying to get the bar down and I never got the final. I thought it did, but it just didn't. But I really wanted to ride. I didn't want the embarrassment having to get off this thing. And the guy comes by and he's like trying to test it. I'm like holding onto it. And so he's just like pulling it. And I think, I think he shared a glance at me, but I, I don't remember. It's been a long time ago, but it did not get security. Now, thankfully, it wasn't one of those loop-de-loop -loop kind of deals, but it was still one of those, you know, going back and forth like a snake or whatnot. And I was, for dear life, hanging on as tightly as I could and trying to shove as much as under, of me underneath that bar as I could while seat, in a seated position. It was just a weird moment here. Everyone else is going, yay, not me. I'm going, Arr. you know, I was holding on with all that I had. Make that you. We hold on to our confidence in God that confidence, which is not in us at all. I'm confident in me. And maybe if I just find the answer and I find this, no, 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 that's, that's pop psychology. The answer is not in you. The answer is never in you. The answer is in God. Our confidence is in him and what he does. Because so, as much as unfaithful as I am and as unfaithful as you are, my apologies, 
our faithfulness is not on the table here. It's God's faithfulness. You confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful. We're depending upon his faithfulness, not my faithfulness. Yeah, Daniel's reminding us not to lose sight of the higher calling, uh, mixing, and it's incentive to persevere. Amen. Faith is always tested. Amen. So hold on tightly. History lesson here, 7 to 11. We're going to see this a couple times. Those of you who remember in your Old Testament history, um, the, the wilderness wanderings. Yeah, we're going to be here tonight. And we're going to be in the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. You can check those out in your spare time. And uh, greater than Moses, you know, that's from Numbers 12, verse 7. Uh, but history lesson, 3, 7 to 11. So as the Holy Spirit says, don't neglect that. It is going to be quoting Psalm 95. And the author of Hebrews is telling us the Holy Spirit said that, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who penned the Bible? Yes, I know there was all these authors who wrote you. The Holy Spirit inspired these words. This is a key verse. And it's a tossed away part of the verse. We don't focus on this part of the verse, but God, the Holy Spirit, wrote the Bible. Do not neglect that. Old Testament too. The author of Hebrews, what's his Bible? The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. He's saying the Holy Spirit, who you'd be hard-pressed to find in the Old Testament, you can. Here he is saying he wrote that. Don't ever forget that. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. As the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. Wow. So what they did, 7 and 9, they tested and tried God. The text there, it, it's uh, the Hebrew words they use to describe how they interacted with Moses was like a dog howling. Where's the water? Where? the food and it's kind of like you're a howling dog it's it's like that in the hebrew it's fun but these people are just whining again and again where's the water i guess make water come out of the rock where's the food okay we've got some manna then we got some quail and they're just whining they're just, just testing maybe we could go back to egypt because we had leeks and melons in egypt and did you forget you had whips going across your back you had to make bricks without straw i mean you were slaves i mean yeah yeah so you had a better you know, produce section, fine, but come on. Your ancestors tested and tried me. You know, for over 40 years, they saw what I did. Don't ignore that. They saw what God did for 40 years. Yet they continually tested and tried him. It's as if to say, when God's faithfulness is not enough, you're in dangerous territory. When you see God's faithfulness and God's faithful hand at work in your life and you go, yeah, but I want this now and I want more and I would rather have this. You know, it's the problem with the greener pastures. Because what you're saying with the greener pastures, I wish, I, okay, you got me here, but I really want to be there. Life has me here, but I really expect that the, the, the I wish, where's my, when's my greener pastures going to come, God? When's my blessing going to come? I'm here, and I want to be there. And in reality, and I'll just be blunt with this, what you're saying to God is he sucks as a shepherd. Because if he was any better as a shepherd, he would have you in a better patch of grass than where he currently has you. You're essentially saying to God, don't quit your day job. I mean, the Savior thing, yeah, you got that in spades, kid, but 
Shepherd? I mean, if you were a better shepherd, God, I would have this. And I have this. So what's the big idea? They tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. If God's faithfulness is not enough, you are in dangerous territory in your relationship with God. When you see God's faithful hand, respond differently. To test and try God. That's just a horrible attitude. No, I'm not saying that's your attitude. The text is saying that was their attitude. We continue. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. Ouch. Oh, don't let that be your verse. Gosh, man, their hearts are always going astray. It's like that one little lamb that just keeps going over here and just taking off. My dog is, is really old. My dog is, is senile. My dog is blind and deaf. And she doesn't like she doesn't see very well. So you can imagine when everything is white, like it is snow right now. She doesn't know where the heck she is. And I have to sit there and give loud claps to get her to come back in. And she's like turning around going, what was that? You know, she's just going outside. It's a great place to go pee, I guess. But she just and we're, we're having to keep a watch on her because she'll just take off. She'll just keep wandering away. And all of a sudden she's in the street somewhere. And like, what in the world? You know, she's just really old. And it's that's just life. And. Is that your heart? Is that your heart that just at a moment's notice will wander away? At a moment's notice will say, you know what? I'm gonna go this way now. They have not known my ways. It's implied there that if they had known God's ways, they would have not strayed. I mean, there's just some unasked questions there that I'll just be bold and asked a couple times here. But um, so uh, that how God felt about it, well, he was angry. What did God do about it? Um, so I declared on my oath in my anger. And when God gets angry, he's not being like a teenager that you just took the car keys away from where it's a selfish anger. No, no, no. Or, you know, my four-year-old, and we tell her no, and all of a sudden, well, you're the worst. And, you, know, you, you must hate me. Like, no, no. It's just, that's how a four-year-old reacts. That's not how God reacts in, her, in his anger. When God has anger, it's a righteous anger. There's no sin in God. So when God gets angry, there's a really darn good reason for that anger. We got to pay double attention. So I declared on oath of my anger, God says, they shall never enter my rest. And in the context of that, they're not going to the promised land. So all their bodies are eventually going to fall over into the sand. They're going to die. Except for, you know, Joshua and Caleb. And, and that's it. Okay. There's a, a very select few from that generation will make it. And, and not even Moses is going to make it. But the whole rest of that generation, kaput. Okay, they're going to be in the sand. So the yeah, but interjects here. Um, yeah, God, you know what? Um, I'm doing the best I can. Or you know what? I don't really care that much. And, and God, you just, you're not making life easy for me, God. And, I, and so I'm just going to just do my thing. And I'm just going to just do this. And, you know, this, this guy has his Moses. I've got Jesus. Or maybe I got Jesus. Um my heart can go where it wants because my, because my, my culture is telling me to follow my heart. And I think that's a good idea. Maybe I should spend some time working on myself, spend some time loving myself, spend some time caring for myself, spend some time focusing on me, spend some time, you know, it's like Jesus says, deny yourself. Don't fall into that trap where you have to love yourself exclusively at, and who, and who's at the expense of, um, 
Yeah, uh, the yeah, but thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. Daniel's texting. The yeah, but exists when a person forgets about their higher calling. The the weary exists when a person is tempted to give up. Amen. The clay can only happen when a person perseveres through these two mindsets. Yeah, our three students uh, of Hebrews are the yeah, but who doesn't really care about God because he finishes the sentence. I love you, God, but the weary is going to be next here. Uh, the weary is just tired of everything. And just does it really is tired of holding on tightly and just wants God to take care of business. And uh, there, there's some of us who are, our, our lives are rising and falling with politics. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you are probably the weary at some point if everything is politics for you. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm all over I'm all up here. Now I'm way down here. Now I'm way up here and way down here. And I've got nothing holding me stable here. Um, yeah. Yeah, Daniel takes it. He thinks he's gone through all three in a matter of a week. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Can't imagine what you're going through in your life right now. The yeah, but always wants to interject. The yeah, but is the part of you that always wants to have an excuse for whatever you've got going on. And that's also the wearies too. The yeah, but is the person that says, you know what? I should make this commitment, but I'm not going to because there's other voices talking to me that are telling me to do other things. And maybe that's coming from me as well. I can't go there. The yeah, but looks at the history lesson we just learned and said, yeah, that was then. That doesn't really apply to today. Well, the author of Hebrews disagrees because he he's given us a community project. Verse 12 to 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Right there, mic drop. You've got some individual work you've got to get done. See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Not the God of the past, not the God that just once was, or the God of the history books, or the God of, you know, way back when. No, a living God, a present tense kind of God. To turn away you see, that's what repentance is. Repentance is turning. It's like the gift tag. I've used that analogy a million times. A gift tag at Christmas on the present Christmas presents, you got a you got two and a from. Okay. You, you like to see your name on the two part. That's one of that means it's your gift. Okay. You look at the from, who is it from? Okay. The repentance is a matter of turning to God and from you. Now it's not a gift to yourself. No, you're turning from yourself, away from yourself, and turning to God. But here we have in this verse, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I don't want to say more there. That verse is conviction all enough as it is. What part of you is sinful that you're hanging on to, that you're defending in your sin? What part of you is unbelieving and not trusting God when you should trust God? What part of you is turning away when you should be turning to? These are questions you've got to ask. And when you get answers, you now know how to pray for yourself. You know, it's, it's not biblical to love yourself. It's plenty biblical to pray for yourself. How are you going to confess if you're not praying for yourself? You're not praying to yourself. You're, you can pray for yourself. God, I've turned away from you in this area of my life. Help me to change. I want to give you glory again. I'm sick of treating you, God, as if you're the God of the 99% and I'm the one. I'm tired of that. That's hypocritical and I'm tired. That was my life. Is it yours? 
make text in the Yabas prefer the, the comforts of the immediate and the temporary security stability like Egypt. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, that's your individual work. What about our group work? 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. I love that. I drive past this, this bar, this bar that's not too far away from where I live. And it advertises on the outside of the bar. It says free beer tomorrow. So I, I, just, I, I just think about that. I've never gone in. I'm, I'm not much of a drinker. And, but I just think about you show up tomorrow. It's okay. I'm here for my free beer. And I said, well, you, great. You get it tomorrow. Free beer is always tomorrow. And so it's always going to be tomorrow. You never get the free beer because the sign says free beer tomorrow. So why do I mention that? As long as it's called today, and by the way, every new day is called today. You can't get away from that, can you? Every new day is today. Tomorrow? No, no. Tomorrow's not here anymore. It's today. Tomorrow's the next day. We're now at today. So as long as it is called today, I love that. That's brilliant. Brilliant. As long as it's called today, encourage one another. That's good stuff. So that none of you may be hardened by sins of evil. It gives the idea that if I don't have my brothers and sisters building into me, I am tempted to become a hard, like that bread roll that 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 that. It's kind of like the donuts you get at, 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 from the drive-thru. They're nice and hot and beautiful in the box, but if you don't seal that box just fine, if it has this little gap, you wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden you're knocking them against the, the counter. It's like, oh, come on. I was looking forward to that. Now it's crunch. You know, oh, I wanted a soft donut. I mean, come on. You see, that's our heart. We're tempted to be hardened we're tempted to all of a sudden as the, the life comes about at us and we're just, uh, and we solidify and we harden. We don't want to. We want to stay faithful to God. We, were, we, we want to trust God. But sometimes those weeds and those thorns grow up and they start choking and we're just like, wait a minute. Life is, I wasn't expecting that. We need each other to build each other up, to encourage each other. We need to have a team around us that builds into you. You need to have people you can depend upon that, that will call you on your issues, that will love you no matter what, that will be there to journey alongside of you. Yeah. Mick texts it in. Today, the Egypt that we long for can be that job. It can be that relationship. It can be that fill in the blank, whatever we trust over God. And if you're trusting something over God, eventually that thing is going to fail you and you will harden because you'll recognize that you did the wrong thing and you'll feel bad about yourself. So encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is always deceitful. It always leads you astray. It always promises things that never can provide. And once you have did that relationship, you now are like, well, I thought I was going to have this, but now I have this. Ugh. Why keep going? I messed up. Maybe God's not going to forgive me. Maybe God, you start believing the lies and the further deceits. You need brothers and sisters in your life to say, knock it off. We love you. Come back. We're here. Enough of that already. Now come back. Here we are. Here we are. Men, you need that guy in your life. Ladies, you need that lady in your life. You've got to have these people that build into you where you can sit there and let your hair down with and, and to pull each other and encourage each other.
Yeah, make text it in. Today is repeated in verses 13 and 15. You know something is being emphasized here by the author. Amen. Daniel texted, do your best to become a conduit to those around you, leading them to Christ. Do not lose sight of the purpose we are given. We must be beacons leading lost souls to the turbulent seas of life to the shores of paradise. It's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment, my brother. And right now, one of the ways we can do that is in Hebrews 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily. If you're someone that you're not an encourager, stop. You need to be an encourager. It's not my spiritual gift. Hogwash. I don't think it is a spiritual gift. Just do it. Even where it is a spiritual gift, like it's an office, like a Barnabas or something. No, no, no. You should all be encouragers. Don't make that, oh, that's a pastor's gift. Or that's the, 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 the lady that has people over for tea and crumpets kind of gift. She's an encourager. No, you are to be an encourager. Every single one of you are to be an encourager. That must be the case. Sharing and holding, verse 14, we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Beautiful. Share, share and hold. That's our community work. It's a community project. We share in Christ. It's my Jesus. No, no, it's our Jesus. We belong to him. We are sheep of his pasture. I'm not the, I'm not the, the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Mm. What do we share in Christ? We're like a bunch of clocks who are different. But if we're all set to the same standard, Greenwich Mean Time, we'll all be we'll all be just fine. We'll all be. It's what we have in common that's more important than what we have that's not in common. And that's something our cultural Marxists don't understand. They want to divide us. They want to get us into tribes and get us hating each other. As Christians, we can't go there. We must promote the unity that we have in Christ. What we share is more important than what we don't share. Hold that conviction firmly to the end. Well, let me scroll down the page here. Let's wrap this up. Don't and so that's the encouragement for the weary. The weary just wants to give up. The weary just doesn't want to deal with life. And the weary needs to be reminded. The, the weary ones need to have Christian brothers and sisters in their life to say, come on. Come on, friend. Let's have a cup of coffee, friend. Let's have a phone call, friend. Let's get on Zoom, friend. Let's go to church, friend. Let's put our mask on six, six feet apart and talk, friend. Let's not give up, my friend. What can I do for you, friend? How can I be there for you, friend? Because it's today. And so that means I'm an encourager. It's a good thing to wake up by. Wake up. Is it today? Yep, it still is, isn't it? It's not tomorrow anymore. It's, it's, it's today. Yeah, it's today. I've got to encourage people. God, send me someone to encourage, please. And watch it work. Look for that with expectation. Mick takes it. It's like the gift of the evangelist. He may have a special something, but we are all called to evangelize. Amen. Daniel takes it. Reach out to those who are hard to get along with. They need Christ's love just as much as anyone else. If anything, they need it all the more. Amen. 
Don't repeat history, 3, 15, and 19. As has just been said, again, this is Psalm 95 repeating over again, okay? You're looking in your Bible, you see a footnote, go to the bottom of the page, see where it's at, where you've been, okay? Your page should say something about Numbers 12 and Psalm 95, okay? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you, as you did in rebellion. We, we, we've talked about that. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Oh, so he's not letting anybody off the hook, is he? Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Huh? And with whom he was angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Uh-oh. So learning from the past. The yeah, but has excuses. The weary has excuses. And for both of those people, for the yeah, but, the excuses win. It's like, ah, oh, whatever. For the weary, the excuses want to win. And he's wanting to give up. She's wanting to give up. And just wanting to say, enough already. I've got too much going on. I can't handle it anymore. Who else had excuses? Or rather, who had no excuses? If only we had a better president. If only we had a better politician. If only we had a better leader. If only I had this person in my life. If only... These people had freaking Moses, the leader of leaders, that guy. Don't miss verse 16. Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt and led out of Egypt with all the 10 plagues and all the miraculous this and that? And oh my goodness, the crossing of the sea. All, this was a huge, it's all implied into that. You just had that guy leading you. And you're still going to be this deceitful, hardened jerk towards God? I mean, seriously? That's that person that says, well, if only I had this, I would, I would never give up on God. If only I could have this blessing, I would turn to God. If only I could have this or I could be blessed with this, then it's easy for you to be a Christian because you don't have what I have that I struggle with. Or you have something that I wish I had. And so I'm, I'm waiting for that. And knock it off. They had Moses. It's just like in, in, if, you, if you take Revelation literally, the thousand years of millennial reign of Christ, at the very end of that, Satan's going to rear his ugly head and go, Brr, whatever he's going to do. And all of a sudden, all the people that were going to go with him are going to leave the perfect reign of Jesus and go to Satan. You had Jesus for a thousand years, and you're going to choose? It's like, no more excuses, people. No more excuses. They had Moses. There's no one better than Moses. The guy, God's guy, the let my people go, the Charlton Heston, that guy? Yeah, they had, mo they had no excuses for what they did, but their hearts were hard. No excuses. Yeah, but the weary, we, 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 you're our brother. We, 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 we honor you. You're our sister. We want to encourage you but no more excuses. The nature of unbelief. Verse 19, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What's the clay do? The clay says, God, I'm a big lump of clay. Some of us bigger lumps than others. Mold me, shape me, use these times that I'm in right now and if you're the kind of person that looks at your, 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 your websites and your newspapers and you're just depressed, 
you're discouraged. If you look at the world and go sigh, perfect opportunity for a clay time, for a clay question. God, what are you trying to teach me right now? If you're going through something immeasurably hard, if you're suffering, if you're grieving, if you're depressed, if you have anxiety, if you can't sleep, what an opportunity to say, God, I have had enough of my excuses. I want to be the clay. I don't want my heart, my heart to get hardened when I'm going through this crap, God. Help me. Help me to learn right now. Mold me. You're making me into something right now. I want to rejoice with that. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Respond like the clay. Respond that way. What's unbelief? What's belief? I want to, I want to close with this example. This, this example, if you're a yeah, but the example probably doesn't care because you're just going to, you're just going to rationalize it away anyway. If you're weary, we love you if you're weary. We're here for you. If you're going through this text and you're the weary one, every time I mention the weary, you're like, oh, that's me. Oh, I hope he doesn't beat up on me too much because that's me. No, 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 I'm not going to beat up on you because it's been me for a lot of my life too. I've been the weary one. And by God's grace, I'm the clay right now. By God's grace, not by my awesomeness or anything like that. No, no, no. What's belief? I heard a great analogy I really like. Belief is like trust. Same word, same cousin words, idea. I want you to think, and I'm sorry, we have some older women in the room, so I'm not trying to, to hurt your feelings or anything. It would work for old man too. But think of the old woman in the nursing home. You see her walking down the hallway. She's got a little gate belt on and there's people with her, whatever. She's got her walker. You know, the thing, she's the, 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 the four legs and the first two legs have the tennis balls underneath them. You know what I'm talking about? How does she walk down the hallway? She moves that walker, maybe a foot, and she leans on it. And she puts all of her weight on that walker. And then she scoots up a couple feet. Then she lifts it up. She does it again. She leans on it. She puts her weight on it and she scoots forward again. That's faith. Faith is that walker. Faith is what you put your weight on so you can keep moving forward. That's what trust is. That's how you get out of the realm of weary and into the clay. You lean upon God. You put all your weight upon God. And you say, God, I'm trusting you to help me move forward. That's what faith is. That is the best analogy of faith i found. I love that analogy. Because that's me. What do I have to put my weight on so I can walk down my hallway? Is that you? There's a lot going on in this text tonight, but it was a good text. We have an example of who not to be. And that's a good example for us. Just like Gideon was, and Samson was, and Jephthah was, we're gonna meet them again in Hebrews. Barak, all those guys that we studied in Judges. Their horrible examples taught us. Bad examples can teach too. 
God bless. We'll see you next week.